Hello, everybody, and welcome to WTS 263. My name is Danny Murray. And my name is Graham Merrigan. How are you, Graham Merrigan? I'm brilliant. Um, we, we, we're on the back of a Dublin Derby victory for the Super Hoops. 3-1 in Daily Mount Park. Um, the Bowers are in trouble. Yeah, it's not a good season so far, man, is it? No. And there's not much sign of it getting better, is there? Well, um, I mean, I don't think they'll be in trouble. Um, no, they won't be in trouble, but they, they, they won't be where... like well, Summer window will mean a lot if they can bring in recruits from England. I don't know, man. Two, two seasons ago, there was a bit of optimism, I felt. Last year was a bit kind of underwhelming. And then this season is just like, what? Now, I know we like both lost a couple of players whenever. Georgie Kelly was obviously the big loss, but like... Keith Buckley, I think, is the biggest loss. Oh, sorry, Keith Buckley. Fucking hell, yeah, of course, yeah. But and just... Rob Cornwall. Um, I think, like, they have that young lad, Dawson DeVoy, who's an excellent player, but I don't... Mm. He needs protection, and I don't think he has protection. Last season, he had protection with Keith Buckley. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Levinston and Jordan Flores. It's just... It's not gelling at the moment. Um, and it remains to be seen if they get some recruits in the summer. But the Super Hoops were, super hoops were relentless on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it, was, um, it was a convincing victory. It's it's absolutely stupid to watch Jack Bourne and Danny Mandrew <laughs> on the pitch together. It's just stupid watching it. Like I just <laughs> Jack was unplayable for much of Friday. Absolutely hate watching the two of them on the pitch together. I've no time at all for that kind of vulgarity. And I think <laughs> I think somebody needs to have a stern word with Shamrock Rovers and stop that carry on for the sake they're, of the league. To be perfectly they're just honest, taking the piss at this stage. It's yeah, it's absolute filth that's carrying on. Um, but anyway, how are you look, anyway? Yeah, yeah, it was grand until you brought that subject up. To be honest, <laughs> no, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, we're on a nice little purple patch of weather. I don't know how long that lasts, but I always feel it's it's weird. I, I feel like I'm getting old because I associate my mood to the weather more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Do. Like if well, it's, I'm, if, I'm, I'm in good form if it's not raining. Exactly, that's it. I, I wake up and I look at the window. I'm like, oh, it's sunny, it's bright, lovely. That's great, you know. Yeah. I think now that we're in that time of year where it's long evenings and it's it's bright when you wake up and everything, it's just easier to feel good and feel nice about the world, isn't it? Like, so yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. But my old Graham, thanks very much for asking. Happy to um, happy happy to clear that up here. Lovely. It's it's two weeks in a row now. We have a pod, and uh, who do we have this week, man? Well, Graham, this week we have a broadcaster extraordinaire and Irish boy done good. Viewers of the WWE product will know him as Kevin Patrick, but he is Kevin Patrick Egan, over a Heaney no less. So now join us. We have been courting this man for a very long time. He's now settled um, in his new home and, and new family life. He's a broadcasting extraordinaire. He started out and he's from Ireland and he started out in, in on, on RTE. And now he is uh, on a number of platforms, but more notably uh, to Irish fans, he is Kevin Patrick from WWE Monday Night Raw. How are you, Kevin? What's the story, fellas? Thanks for having me on and appreciate you being a bit patient with me. We've had a like the newborn baby and moving into a new house and a lot going on. So uh, excited to be on and chat with you guys. Oh, thank Once you, man. I feel like I was pestering you, that's all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's very, life has gotten the way for you lately, it sounds like, man. But it sounds it sounds exciting. New new house, new baby, yeah. the whole thing coming together. How, how, are you sleeping? Are you getting much yeah. sleep? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like the luckiest fella in the world. Uh, and I'm not just saying that, Danny. I genuinely mean it. I, 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 I'm in love with my career. I'm in love with my wife. I'm in love with my kids. I, I love the new area we're, we're, we're lucky enough to be in. And, and I just, every single day, it's one of those cliche things, but you have to freeze the moment sometimes and just realize that that life can be very good. And if you really want to see the sunshine and it, like since I've been to America, even before that, my 23 years in Ireland, I, I've loving family and friends and just that's the most important thing. I feel very blessed. How 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 do you because you you're you're a big Irish headed fella like me and like Mero. How do you survive <laughs> in Atlanta? I spent twenty four hours in Hotlanta, as I was told it's referred to, and I nearly <laughs> died, man. How how are you living there? Oh, the locals hate when you say Hotlanta. <laughs> you say it here, you get a slap, Daddy. It was a fella well, at the airport, so obviously he wasn't local. <laughs> it's not too bad. I lived in Miami for close to four years and loved every second of it and you quickly realize that you need to wear your sunscreen and you need to take it easy during the middle of the day because it can get quite hot here in atlanta yeah it, it gets quite warm and especially with kids you know you you can't do a whole lot in the middle of the day you have to watch out for their fair little skin like my, my son will tan more like my wife and my daughter the poor thing has the irish blood you can tell she's <laughs> a fair little thing so we've got to watch out for for Maisie. But uh, no, it's been, been little scarlet cheeks. Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's been it's been class. We're north of Atlanta in a place called Roswell, and it's a hallmark movie place. It's just picturesque. The parks, the hikes, the the coffee shops, the bars, the old fashioned vibe to it. But it's got a modern twist, and we're we're in an area with great neighbors, like neighbors with wonderful stories. Like you know, I'm good. My two uh, best buds in this little estate that we're in are Italian and Australian. So there's a nice transient vibe to, to this place. Love that. Brilliant. Love that, man. You're, you're, you're from Rahini, Kevin. Yeah, from Rahina. Rahini. And, and <laughs> you started out in RT. Was it was broadcasting always and always the, the goal? The goal was always to play for the dubs. That was always the <laughs> uh, Let's call it Spade a Spade here. My dad played for the dubs in the 70s and his two All Ireland medals uh, from Hefo's Army in 76 and 77. And the goal for me. Yeah, the goal for me growing up, Graham, was always to to play for the Dubs. And if you ever venture through St. Anne's Park, like from when I was, say, 14 through, you know, 2021 20, or so, you just see me down kicking a ball the whole time. I just, I, I was obsessed by taking freeze, by, by, you know, I'd do the whole Charlie Redmond thing where I'd lick my finger and take three steps to the left. And uh, I, I just loved every second of it. Now, that falls in line with the broadcasting stuff because I'd watch the Sunday game on Sunday evenings. And as soon as the music come on at the end, actually, we were allowed to watch Glen Row. Glen Row music. Hit <laughs> like us all. <laughs> yeah. Glen Row music and hit. We were all kicked to bed straight away, all those five kids. But uh, I, I was obsessed with GAA and with football, with soccer. So I'd watch the Sunday game and I'd look at Michael Lester and think, that has to be the best job ever. That has to be. Because you're well aware that the, the GAA players don't make a living from it. Mm. So... I'm looking at Michael Lester and I'm thinking, that'd be unreal, but there's no way I'd ever get a chance to do that. Never. Like, as a kid growing up, from wherever you're from, it's very rare that you get a young child that would say, well, why not me? That would have the confidence of a John Cena. You know, like, the, 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 the why not me? Why does that have to be someone else? And I was definitely the one, when I was younger, saying, oh, well, that would never happen to me. No chance. So uh, what happened was I was playing in an under-21 championship game out in Aaron's Isle in Finglas. And... Uh, I caught the ball. My buddy Andy, my best friend Andy Dunn, 
who has since passed tragically died of a heart attack at 25 in a race in Scotland. Sorry, man. Cheers. No, it, it, yeah, it was devastating. He was like a brother, but we, he was, he was running past me and I was playing corner forward. He was wing forward. And I just popped the ball to him, hand pass to him. And my fella, the man marking me was, was fairly slow. And I thought I was going to burn him and try and catch back up with Andy. And I was having the game in my life, lads. 20 minutes in, I'd won three. And I thought, this is the game. Like, I'm loving life. Kieran Whelan was our manager. Uh, and sure enough, as soon as I, I jumped about an inch off the ground when I just hand-passed it to him, and my knee went one way, body went the other, cruciate snapped. And I'll never forget, it was like Alfinga Halland and Roy Keane standing over him. It was like the Aaron's Oil players were like, get up, there's nothing wrong with you. And... Uh, I was just grabbing the grass and I ended up having to go to the hospital and get surgery and all that stuff. But the doctor said, you're done for a year. You know, mm. you need to focus on something else. And I'm the type of fella who has to focus on something. I know myself, like I can't just sit and watch TV and be content. So I figured, you know what? I mean, first year in uh, studying journalism, broadcast communications at Griffith College. And I said, I have to do something here or otherwise I'll go crazy. So I started going to the audience at RTE I started applying to be in like whether it was the cafe or it was that questions and answers where I got my break because I got a, a running order off the floor manager who gives you like the, the basically the show script but mm. back then in RTE and I don't know if it's still the case they have all the names of the people that work on the show and then they have their phone numbers next to it so I just kind of rang everybody and I ended up calling the same fella twice and he said look there's an agency after been setting up um, that hire people for production so I did an interview with a company called the Production People, and they got me a job in 2004 for the first day of the Olympics, starting on the Olympics as a runner, essentially making tea and coffee. Unbelievable. Yeah, tea and coffee, running sheets, left, right, and center. But guess what? It gave you access to every single door in the room, in the in the building because you were bringing tea to Bill O'Hurley, to the director, to the producer. And then you could foster and garner relationships with these people. And then eventually, if you're just... Swift enough, swift enough with what they want. You get in and you get out, but you give a, how you doing? Good morning, how are you? They may ask you in time, what do you want to do? And when someone was going to ask me, what did I want to do? Straight away, my answer was going to be Sunday game. And sure enough, that's what, how it happened. And I ended up getting a job on the Sunday game. And then one thing led to another. And I got some opportunities, um, whether it be research, sub-editing, um, working as a radio reporter and doing some stuff on TV as well before I left for America when I was 23. Wow. It's, it's brilliant. It's uh, it sounds like a quick and frantic trajectory, but uh, at the same time, a beautiful one. You know, it's uh, it's like I'm I'm always amazed that I I, I done journalism in college as well. Um, similarly, uh, destroyed me cruciate and uh, it, it forced me to retire from professional rugby. Now, I was <laughs> never a professional rugby player, and to this day, Joe Schmidt still hasn't answered me a letter. Where I retired, <laughs> um, I like to think that it did cross his desk. I sent it as a joke, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, it's it's I, I always love hearing stories like that because it, it's that thing, as you said, of kind of like in Ireland, particularly, people don't really when they're kids, they don't put their hand up and say, Why not me? Why can't I do that? And and then there's you, and it seems like once you got your foot in the door. It didn't matter how much force somebody put into you. They weren't pushing you outside that door, man. Maybe they were. And I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I just mm. I just had the, the upbringing from my parents. And, you know, my dad, when I think about this now, and I can really reflect on those earlier days, my parents are, are, are just incredible people. They're great fun. They're a wonderful couple together. They, they, they travel the world now. They try and do as much traveling as possible. And they're kind of an inspiration. Like my ma has MS. She's had MS for 15 years. 
And when she was diagnosed, we all thought, oh, no, doom and gloom. And she just simply said, I'm not accepting this. And and it was and look, she's been lucky too. don't get me wrong, but her mindset has has been very evident. And only a few weeks ago, she climbed the Sydney Harbour Bridge. They went over to visit my sister who was living in Melbourne. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. But but my ma's a, a, a yapper. She's a she's a she's a, a total yapper. Like she's the type that goes to Irish, Irish mammy, is it? She's an Irish mammy who's from Chicago, but she's an Irish mammy, if you know what I mean. She, <laughs> she goes to super value and we know Ma's gone for two and a half hours. There's no way she's gonna be back because she's bumping into Veronica and she's bumping into everyone else from the road down there and they're chatting about the local GAA scores and the local plays, whatever it might be. And my dad, though, is a very social fella, but he's also very calculated. And, uh, you know, he's had a, a wonderful life and career in, in that he started from absolutely nothing and just built a food ingredients business. And he's just a, he's just a tactical mind and he knows how to shake someone's hand and be charismatic and make them feel welcome. And he's a wonderful fella. So hopefully I just watch my parents and I try and learn from them. And then in, in turn, I've got two kids now and I want to make sure that every step that I take throughout life that I try and do it knowing that they're watching me and that I need to try and lead by example for them. Love that, man. I love, love that. Yeah. I feel like fist pumping. As I was going to say, there's something very wholesome, but also very kind of like, come on, Kev, about that. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's nice. Like it's usually yeah. we do with these interviewers or we have these chats or whatever. It's kind of, they, they flow, but you don't get that personal. Well, we do get the personal touch, but that feels like you're letting us inside the family home and letting us have a little wander around the sitting room, you know? You'd be welcome. Believe me, I'm not there right now, but if you went if you went over to Rahini and knocked on the door, they, they'd have you in for a meal and a cup of tea for sure. Maybe. <laughs> Love it. So 2023, 20, you went across the Atlantic then. And what was the next move then? Where, where, what, did, did you go over with a job or did you go over just saying, I'm going over to Troy and see yeah, what, what was I can the do? plan? No plan. They're like complete idiots. Complete idiots. <laughs> You know, this is the funny thing I'm realizing about life. The quicker we all realize that everyone in life is absolutely winging it, the better off we'll be. Amen to that, man. It's so true. I went over to the US with no idea what I was doing. The thing I did have, though, which, again, I was very lucky, I had a US passport. So my ma's from Chicago. My dad's from Dublin. He played for Dublin in the 70s. My, my dad, he played for Hefo's Army. And when they won the All-Ireland in 76 and 77, they traveled travel the US. And mm. he met my mom in Chicago. She was 19 at the time and kept in touch through letters and stuff like that. And then eventually Last. back to Chicago, she went back to Dublin. They that My sister was born in, in Chicago, my sister Julie. And when my mom was pregnant with me, they moved back to Ireland. And uh, they figured, you know what, we want to raise our kids in Ireland. We love Ireland. And then sure enough, the five of us kids are living in different countries now. We feel we feel awful about it. Um, it's just the reality of what it is right now. Uh, but yeah, no, no plan whatsoever. I went over, I lived with my grandmother, Maisie, lived in Chicago, uh, just by Wrigley Field. Anyone who's been on a J1 knows all about where that is in Chicago. And uh, I, I was fortunate again, really lucky that I could land there and have a place to stay and, and a loving grandmother. And, and then it was just a case of knocking on doors. And that, I mean that literally, like I made an absolute fool of myself knocking on certain doors, trying to, trying to just not, there's a fine line between being, um, being ambitious and being annoying. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you, yeah. when you're knocking on those doors, you can, you can, you can try and be ambitious while also being a gent about it uh, and courteous about it. But then there's the ones that are just annoying that, that people want to get rid of. So I was very wary of that. I'd never wanted to be annoying. And I, I finally got, uh, it was actually through Jackie Hurley, Jackie Hurley in RTE. This is a mad story. A really quick version of it. Jackie Hurley in RTE lived with a girl in college briefly. Um, 
called Lisa Cornwell. Lisa Cornwell happened to be working at a network in Chicago. And I had said to Jackie, when we were working in RT Sport one day, I said, I'm looking into all avenues here in Chicago, like every possible. And she said, you know what? I, there's a girl I used to live with moons ago who I believe is living in Chicago now. And she just dropped her a note on Facebook, I think, and just said, keep an eye out for this guy. Uh, he's going to reach out to you. And so Lisa didn't get back to me a few times. And then like, I used to wait till she was off the air. Like I'd be watching her on TV and thinking, okay, I'm going to wait like 45 minutes seems like a good time from when she gets off air to when she'd wrap up with her producer, leave the building, get in her car and start driving. Boom. And I'm going to call. And at least I, like I'm going to guess that she'll be in your car. And I caught her one day in her car and she said, yeah, come on in. I'll meet you for lunch. And then again, one thing led to another and, and I, I kind of had a nice lunch with her. For anyone listening, if you're doing this, make sure you buy. Always buy. If you're meeting someone, even if you have no money, buy them a two, two euro cup of tea um because you're asking for their time so it went well she brought me in and i met a couple of people and then about six months later that led to me kind of trying to push it and eventually getting a phone call to say are you able to do graphics on college football lads i hadn't got a scooby-doo what i was doing i went in like i was the the graphics producer on a on a college football saturday we had 12 games on our air that day on a fox sports college channel and i didn't like i remember like looking at a graphic going what's a tfl i didn't know what a tackle for loss was i and, and I, <laughs> I i got the call about three days before that i wasn't able to do this job so i was studying but i, I wasn't ready at all and, and somehow survived again one thing led to another and lucky to get the opportunities brilliant man brilliant. that's unbelievable so you just you just wing the first job in in, in the us every job <laughs> <laughs> Every I joke to a certain extent because reps are everything and like practice is everything and working hard. But ultimately, when you're thrown into a situation you've never been in before, you can't fully prepare for that. It's yeah. like, you know, you can practice, a young kid can practice cycling a bike, but the first time they, they, they get those two feet off the ground, they're kind of winging it in a way. And it's the same with me when I'm thrown into the ring on Monday Night Raw. You know, th- the first time I was ever in there, of course you're winging it in a certain way. But, but you go in there having manifested it and thought about it and, and tried to mentally prepare what could go wrong. And you start to put out fires in your head as quickly as possible. And you start to study the tape and, and realize how other people have done it so well. And, um, but you're ultimately, you, you are winging it to a certain extent because in, in that sort of a situation, when you've got 25,000 people in an arena, millions watching around the world, and you've got to be cognizant of your body shape, uh, of the cameras, of your, of your verbiage, and then you've got a wrestler screaming down your throat. You know, you, you, anything could happen. Mm. Well, it's 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 mad you said, and it's, there's, we'll 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 chat to you about football before you go. But, but for now, let's you mentioned Monday Night Raw there, so let's jump to it. And uh, I was watching it recently, and there was a segment that you were heavily involved in, and it was with RK Bro and the Academy, and it was this the <laughs> Catalan. And I was like, how how is he keeping a straight face? Like this is live television as well, like absolute gold. And I'm like, he is playing a stormer, keeping a straight oh, face because the, the you could tell it felt to me like they were all trying to kind of make each other break, but in the background, you're trying not to break as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So how like what what what's it like doing that live? And like you said, knowing you have to watch every single thing you are doing and trying to hold that together, like yeah, and and you're you're also cognizant of of everything they're saying because you want to make sure that you try it's it's my job nearly in that role to just keep everything moving Mm. keep everything on track 
don't let things get off the rails too much. But you're also aware that you're dealing with even a guy like Randy Orton, a legend of the game, someone who's been at the top of the game for 20 years now. And then you don't yeah. So you're 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 trying to process everything while also trying to have fun and enjoy that moment. And that's something that comes with age, I think, in the industry. Like I, I absolutely like the first thing that I said to myself before I heard three, two, one, go when I got to say, and I never thought I'd get to say, welcome to Monday Night Raw. And I got to do that from within the ring, you know? And I'm just this elf from Rahini. Like, it's just this cool <laughs> moment that, um, you know, Mr. It's McMahon, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. And, and, and but, but the first thing I said, or the last thing I said to myself before I heard the two, one, was have fun. Have fun. Because you've done the prep. Uh, yeah. You've 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 been doing the prep for you know 18 years or whatever it is since you got that break making tea and coffee. So just have fun because the more fun you're having, the more confident you're going to be, the more you're going to um project authority in that moment. And that's what it was all about for that specific role. It was just about be the straight guy, keep it moving. It's not about you, it's about RK bro, it's about the Alpha Academy and uh make it try and make it a, a good segment. And ultimately, I'm not gonna make it a good segment. The fellas are, and they made it. I thought they made that a brilliant segment. I watched yeah, that back. I was not just saying this. I watched it back, and I thought that was actually really entertaining. It, it was absolute gold. Uh, it was. Yeah, it I, was I, gold. yeah. I was, I was cracking up laughing watching it, and I was thinking, this, it, it, it was, it was probably one of the best segments on the of the year so far for me. I just enjoyed it thoroughly. Like Chad Gable yeah. is just so funny. Shoosh! <laughs> that is, that's brilliant. Yeah. Again, can I say this about Chad Gable? there's no it's no coincidence that the people that are there and the people that are thriving are the people that work the hardest genuinely and i mean that sincerely and that that probably goes for most industries but but i i study these guys i study what they're doing each and every week and i have tremendous respect for the irish involved becky lynch uh finn balor seamus are like at their operatic hideout right now because they work so hard at it and uh chad gable is constantly in the zone like a gent, a father, few young kids, you know, an Olympian, uh, really smart guy. But what he's doing right now is fantastic. And uh, ah, he's bringing out a different side to Otis too. So I, I have just massive respect for him because I see how hard he works at it behind the scenes and he deserves everything that comes his way. Um, you, you obviously didn't wing it to get to the WWE. How did that opportunity come about? Don't tell me you wing it. No, I, I was having a shave one day. And I was getting ready to go on CNN because working with CNN covering Champions League and uh, and international football. And I'm getting ready to go on CNN International, which I love doing because it goes out in Ireland life. And it means that my man, uh, you know, with the feet up at home can, can turn on yeah. CNN and there's their son, you know, from Atlanta. So uh, I'm getting ready to go on CNN. And I got a call and I, it said New York, New York on the phone. And, you know, when you don't know the phone number, 99 percent of the time you're not answering especially like, I don't know if you get as much of it in Ireland, but we get so many political calls or spam calls uh, over here that to your phone that you're just constantly deleting the, the, the calls. Um, but usually they're from like Idaho or Omaha or these places in, in middle America. This one said New York, New York. And I just said, just answer it because, you know, you never know. It could, it could be someone, it could be an opportunity. So I answered real quick and it was a gentleman saying that he's headhunting um, on behalf. He was, he got my information through my agent and he's headhunting for WWE. And would I be interested in an audition? And I wasn't. I wasn't the only one. I mean, there, there were a bunch of people auditioning for a, a broadcast role or two. And would I like to go to Tampa? 
I was blown away. I thought it, I thought it was Ashton Kutcher. I thought it was on point, you know. Yeah, class. Thing, I, I run down to my wife and I have the suit on. I have the short. This is how it was during COVID on CNN because I'd have the shorts on and the runners, but I'd have a suit and tie up. Yes, top. yes, <laughs> yes. I'd run downstairs and my wife is down there with with my. Uh, she was you know pregnant with our second, and the little fellow was down there with her. And I said, "I'm after getting a call to audition with WWE." And she just started laughing. And I started laughing. I was like, how weird is that? Like, how surreal is that? And she said, I can't wait to hear about it. Go do CNN, come back up and tell me about it. So I had said to this guy, can I call you back? Because I need to know more, but I also have to go on air uh, for CNN. So I called him back, learn more. I've never been one to not listen to someone's perspective or what someone has to say. I've always thought I'm just a, maybe a football person. So I, I was a bit like thrown off by it in the best possible way. And then when I when I spoke with him, I was like, I'd love to do the audition. I'd love to. Um, and I, you know, studied my ass off, watched absolutely everything. Uh, I was always aware of what was going on. Like as, as a kid in school, you could you could never avoid, even if you wanted to, you couldn't avoid what was going on in the Attitude Era. It was just amazing. Um, but I was never an avid fan watching each and every week. So I started catching up, drove to Tampa because COVID was rampant. Uh, drove to Tampa in, what was it, January? of 2021 of last year and I was put through my paces whether it was commentary I had to do commentary stuff with Corey Graves I had to do like walk and talks on cameras I had to do um like like improv interviews with Liv Morgan um and Ruby Riot who was there then and and uh, it was amazing I was with Michael Cole for the day I got to watch the show with Triple H uh and it was it was a, a surreal experience so I left got in the car to drive back to Atlanta the seven hours. And I called my wife straight away. And I was like, I want that job. I want that job. And she said, well, do you think you'll get it? And I said, I have a funny feeling I will. And I don't know how many people are going for this, but I just have this weird feeling that I'll get an opportunity at something. And I think, I don't know what was going on with positions or whatever else, but I got a call off, uh, off Michael Cole. Then, you know, a few weeks later saying, we'd like to offer you a, a role as a backstage reporter, host of Raw Talk, and commentator for main event. So I was delighted. Honoured, actually. Honoured. Brilliant. That's it's, just uh, deadly. Yeah, it's... Uh, again, it's that whole thing, isn't it? A kid from Dublin ends up being the commentator on a WWE programme. Like, you just... I know, and I wish I could speak to my younger self. I wish I, yeah. could, I, wish I could speak to the 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old me and just say, like, of course it can be you. Like why the hell not like who who was born with any right to to have a direct line to the top you know nobody should be first and foremost nobody should be um but but like put the work in and just try like and i've been i've been like honestly peppered with luck because you have to have luck but you Mm. also have to know when you're getting luck and then try and capitalize on that opportunity you know so but Ah, yeah but you work hard as well like even the even you're telling us there about prepping and stuff you know, you mightn't have been up to date with the products, but you worked hard to get up to date with it. So, I mean, you're 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 working really, really hard. Like, ah, I think I think the the majority of the prep is is honestly it's it's watching everything, but the majority of it is respect and understanding, understanding the business, trying to understand the business as much as possible, but also understand what a Becky Lynch, what a Sheamus, what a Finn Balor, and Roman Reigns and everybody involved, what they do to get to where they are, and and, and through absolute respect, then you'll want to be much better at your job because you realize what they put into it. 
um, and what everybody puts into it. Like behind the scenes, you should see it, guys. It's just incredible. It's like I've never seen anything like it. Never I, was seen it. I was going to ask, yeah. yeah. It, the professionalism, the people, what they managed to churn out, a live show, live three-hour show. You're making Hollywood movies behind the scenes life. Like we're, even as broadcasters, I love, I love thinking about this, that we're, we're playing a character. Like we're playing roles live on camera. Uh, and then they're going out to another, you know, uh, promo or scene that could be over the far side. Then you're out to the ring. The commentators are meandering through this three-hour show so effortlessly. It's just, it's something special. What what what's churned out each and every week. And I, I know people always love to bash. Uh, you know, most people on social media love to bash because it's always the easiest thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, from behind the scenes and and witnessing the work that goes into it, it's it's a behemoth. That's yeah, what me and Danny like. Like we're obviously we're we're supporting it. Like we follow it since we were born, for God's sake. Um, but as we've got older, we've kind of grown more fascinated with the 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 people themselves and the backstage kind of dynamics and stuff. Even even I think WWE have even in in the recent years have got behind that kind of mantra of doing more behind the scenes based documentaries and and given the the human side like breaking kayfabe so to speak and yeah. um, like so I like I remember watching it and you popping up on screen for the first time and you did it what was show. your honest what was your honest what was your honest thought you're I bet you're who the hell is your man no I was like did <laughs> I was fucking buzzing and then that evening uh or the, the, then WWE released a tweet and then RTE got on the back of it, uh, the mirror, um, you know, everybody was so, it's like that thing, you know, you were saying, um, you know, we feel a bit selfish, we're moving away from home. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's like the media outlets, as soon as WWE released that tweet, an introduction um, to yourself, everyone was so proud in terms of the media outlets. You've seen Jackie Horley comment and saying, best of luck, Kev, delighted to see this. Yeah. You know, good friend. Yeah. So, yeah. Some of your former colleagues say in the industry, you know, getting behind you. I, I, I just love that. And honestly, when I watched it, I was like, this is deadly. Because when we were growing up, like, we were always saying, oh, geez, it'd be great to have, even with MMA, when we were MMA, when we we're MMA fans, we were always praying, or not praying, but we were always wishing for, you know, an Irish star. And now, not only do we have Irish, excellent professional wrestlers, we have someone that's, you know, the way I look at your role is like, it's like the mean Gene Oakland. It's like the Jim Ross. It's like, you know, uh, Sean Mooney, all these legendary people on the stick that his job is to direct the stories. And I, I watched you yesterday with that absolute giant of a man, almost. Uh, and I was just kind of going, I again, I was I was nearly pinching myself for you kind of going, this is just deadly like. Yeah, he's a big man. He's an intimidating fella. What um, is he, 7'4"? 7'3", seven, 7'3", four? Seven, three, seven, three, uh, 400 pounds. <laughs> Yeah, Thank God, like he's absolutely the most large. Irish comment of all time. Be Jesus, he'd be some full forward, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, a, it's just a larger than life characters, and you have access to all of that. It, like, it must have been. I know you said you fell out of touch kind of with the product, but everyone of our age would know the attitude area. It must be, it must be crazy just to see what goes into making that live show. Yeah, it is. And I think from a from a fan perspective, it probably helped me that I wasn't uh, an avid fan. I think it I say probably I know it helped me because I'm like I'm learning about a lot of these guys for the first time. 
before like you know before I even did the audition and I'm 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 learning as someone in their mid-30s about them and I'm learning about the work ethic and the respect and I go into it with a slightly different perspective than someone who's been watching them play you know different characters or or or, or really studying their career as a fan it's it it's not it wouldn't be ideal in all honesty for someone who was a, just a big fan to get it, mm. it, it depends how professional they were obviously but to be put like i'm in the locker room with these guys um so you're you're having chats about your family about life about lots of different things and trust is very important um and respect yeah. is very important but but trust i suppose comes from respect and comes from showing up on time not letting anybody down with with the promos um working hard to represent the company and and, and the product as good as possible and i, I think having a slight outsider view point has actually helped me with my progression hopefully within the role and i still think i'm absolutely winging it every week like i still think that and people tell me you're not you're not and i but i but i i don't really feel like i know what i'm doing each and every week i do but i but i also don't in a way in that i'm like michael cole for example and this is this is the perspective i'm trying to offer michael cole said on a podcast i listened to that it took him 12 years to feel comfortable ish within his role and to understand the business and I totally understand that now, totally, because it's the most complex industry you'll ever be part of. It really feels that way once you're in there um, and the positions you're put in, you know, like, I mean that, like, think about it. How many, how many people in the world are in a position where they're thrown into a, uh, an arena? You see it for, for say, ring announcers for MMA, uh, you know, ring announcer for the Fury fight at the weekend, for example, where they're cognizant of the of the watching world, but also aware of the, the folks in the arena and of timing and of, of cues and of your body shape. There's so many things that may sound simple that, that you have to factor in that your attention to detail has to be hyper-focused. And uh, I, I think each and every week, I don't take it for granted. I go in there and it's like, right, I'm here to work. I'm here to work. And there, there's, there's certainly some laughs, there's some good times, but ultimately like you're always a little bit on edge because you want to do a good job each and every week. And then once you drive home or once you fly home afterwards, you can, you can reflect on it and then go again the following week. Yeah. As, as, as you said, like a, a kind of an outsider uh, to use air quotes there, as a, was there, what's the best kind of advice you were given coming in when, when you kind of first started taking on the role? Shut up. And listen, <laughs> seriously, that's uh, advice for life, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just, and I mean, spot on. Like Michael Cole had just said to me, "Listen, just be a sponge." Um, he's he's a he's a great human being. He's he's brilliant at what he does. I I, I study him because he's just a sensational um, traffic cop, and the drama that he adds, you know, like but but like that's a really difficult show to host, and you're you're talking about like what jimmy smith does on raw now and, and Corey graves and byron do a lot of the heavy lifting as well um it, to, to do what they do it, like i can't even explain there's no other show like it like what other show is, is drifting in and out of whether it's live commentary on wrestling um backstage promos that they're talking over at times you know like the the the, the laying out in certain moments when a wrestler decides uh, when a superstar decides to go off on one in the middle of the ring, they've got to know when to shut up. It's just, there's so many nuances that go into it that make it such a complex job. And I think they do such a tremendous job that it's one of those ones that I sit back and I watch a Michael Cole and, and Marvel at, at just how good he is. And when he gives advice, 
it's like when I when I had a chance to work with Michal O'Murhertig or or Bill O'Hurley, um, you know, the the list goes on. Dara Maloney, some of the younger guys, Jackie Hurley. Like you, you just sometimes you realize who you're who you're with, and the best thing you can do is be a sponge and just take on what they're saying. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. What was it like um, meeting Vince McMahon? Wonderful. Yeah, stood up, shook my hand. His words were, "Welcome to WWE. This is on my first day." Uh, and this was kind of daunting because it was, I actually, it, it was, you know, in a room where he was as I was about to go live. So I was about to go live and I, and I meet the boss directly before. So he's staring at me as we're about, as we're, as we're coming live. So, so in that moment, you're like, your knees are wobbling a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> but he's, 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 he's been, he's been tremendous. I don't, I don't know Vince McMahon very well. Um, he's there every week and we take direction and he's offered me specific direction a couple of times, which has been great because again, you think about what he's done in his life and you just have to have nothing but absolute respect for, for the genius that he is. Uh, so when, when he offers you some advice, you say, yes, sir. And you take it and you run with it. You've got two WrestleMania under your belts now. Like, I mean, yeah. what was like, what 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 is the lead up to that like, and what is 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 it is it just huge? Like, is it huge? Yeah, it's 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 the biggest thing. I've 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 felt lucky enough. I've been part of All Ireland Finals uh, for RTE. Um, yeah, I, I hosted El Clasico at both the Santiago Bernabeu and the Camp Nou for the US audience from the sideline uh, with Rude Hullet and Capello and some of these like cool legendary figures, and then you get to to do something like this. Like, I feel like the luckiest fella in the world. My first WrestleMania was, was two or three weeks into my tenure with WWE. And I wasn't supposed to be on air. I wasn't supposed to be doing anything. I was supposed to be there just to take it all in. And we went out onto the stage for God bless America, the song and the Jets. Rain and then. This was the rain delay. Do you remember this? Yeah. 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 Like talk about baptism by fire. Like I'm walking back afterwards and this is just a little life lesson for anyone about being prepared or trying to just be ready just in case. I said to myself, I'll just get mic'd up just in case and I'll just get makeup on just in case. And you never know what could happen. So sure enough, they weren't expecting any rain or any lightning and Tampa and Florida in general. I lived in Miami for years. It's, it's like that. It can roll in in the afternoon or in the evening. You, you don't expect it. And sure enough, this massive crack of lightning happened about a mile from the stadium and if you get lightning within five miles of a stadium immediately the event is postponed for 30 minutes put on hold it's the same with football in this country i've worked in mls for years and i've had many lightning delays so i knew what the crack was in that moment and next thing all i heard was get kevin patrick to set get kevin patrick and sarah schreiber to set now so i'm running and it's roasting lads the humidity <laughs> I was a serious sweaty Betty in that moment, right? And it wasn't even nerves. Like, the, the, I, I mean it sincerely. I've been so nervous in so many different moments throughout WWE. But in that moment, I wasn't nervous at all because, I was like, well, what can go wrong? Like, it's there's only X amount of million people watching. Uh, it's all improv. But it's all, but I prefer improv. Like, it's all it's all it's all improv. And and I was told we're just going to start throwing you superstars, and then go. So Kayla Braxton, who's a good buddy now, who I host the kickoff shows with, she starts saying, and let's go back, uh, let's go backstage now to Kevin Patrick. And then like a Drew McIntyre run in or Big E and Xavier Woods and Kofi, Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins starts calling me Mike. I had never met Seth before. <laughs> I had never met him before. And he, and he purposely did it. Obviously, he was like, 
he starts calling me Mike. Um, I'd never met Kevin Owens before we were on air together. So it, it was wild, but it was incredibly exhilarating and it was fun and I loved every second of it. And, and it was a cool little little baptism, I suppose, into WWE. Unbelievable. The recent stuff with Kevin Owens is quite comical. He's very entertaining. Yeah, he's he's at the top of his game now too. Like, look at yeah. WrestleMania, what he managed to do with, with Stone Cold. Uh, it was brilliant. Remarkable. He's the architect behind all that, so fair play to him. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, unconscious of time and unconscious of a big Champions League game being on that we all want to watch. <laughs> all right. um, yeah. But before we let you go, Dean, obviously you're, you're a massive sports fan in general, but you've obviously worked across football as well and everything else. Your, your time with being in sports, you said there a second ago, you got to host uh, a Classico, you you know, working alongside people, <laughs> Rude Hull of Fabio Capello. Like, w- w- even that, like we've talked a little bit about the whole thing of, you know, just a kid from Dublin who's done pretty well, we'll say, you know. But, yeah. Uh, Thank yeah, you. Even now when you look back on it, do you kind of, do you ever give yourself a chance to go, yeah, that was I'm good. Like that was good. No, you know? I'm not good. That's the thing. <laughs> no, I mean it, Danny. It's it's. I don't feel that way at all. I, it's always yeah. about it's always about the next thing, which is terrible. Which is a terrible way to live. Like you can't you can't always be chasing the next thing because you're right. Sometimes you need to just freeze it and say, "Well, stop." That was so. And it's now at a little bit of an an older age that I don't get, I don't get obsessed by something anymore in a role, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, when there's something you really want, whether it's after you get your communion money as a kid and there's a toy you really want, or whether it's, whether it's you go, you, you start college and there's a girl in the class and you're like, oh, I'd love to go out with her. And, and you're focused in on it so much. That, that was like eating away at me. So during COVID, I realized like the Champions League position became available uh, for CBS won the rights over here. And it's, it's mm. the rights in the US for TV bounce between networks a lot. And with that, a lot of the commentators and hosts and stuff have to jump channels or, um, you know, really hone in on what the next rights package might look like. And at that time, I remember thinking, I have to get that job. Like, that's that's one that I'd love. That's one that I feel I'd be great at. I, I could, you know, get involved in a network that are jumping into football for, for the first time in 30-something years. And I didn't get it. And I remember thinking to myself, like, stop. You have to stop having this tunnel vision towards certain things because that's not the way life works and your, your path just may, may be elsewhere. And I think there was a moment where I was chatting to my wife. Um, sorry for getting a little bit cheesy here if I am, but I, I was chatting to my wife about three or four weeks before I got the call from WWE. And I remember saying to her, you know, and she said it to me for, as well. She's like, you, you know, Kev, there's loads of jobs. There's loads of industries. There's loads of things that you can hone in on. And I decided like to just all right quit this tunnel vision stuff like embrace every day get, get out and go for your run in the morning or do something to freshen up your head because COVID was tough mentally on all of us big room being stuck at home worried about work I didn't work for seven months when when sports was essentially cancelled on March seventh uh, over here um, MLS was off I was doing no Champions League with CNN uh, radio I mean, there was nothing going on everything came to a halt here like it did at home. So you start to spiral a little bit and wonder like, well, maybe I'm not wanted or maybe I'm not needed. And it, it was that like nearly moment where I just had that self-reflection that just roll with it. You're, you're, you can be good at what you do. You work hard, make relationships, keep relationships, value people. And then the rest will just, will just come. Just trust in yourself. The rest will follow. And I remember getting a call about a week before the WWE thing off a movie caster saying, would you be interested in being in a movie with Kelsey Grammer, who's Frasier, you know, and it's going to be filmed 
uh, over here in Atlanta and the role that we need is a football commentator. It's a, a soccer themed movie. And I remember laughing ago, this is the most random call of all time, but <laughs> we need the work. Like I'm kind of at a point now where my wife, my wife's not working because we moved from Miami and with the babies and whatever else. Um, so we, we Meg's a stay at home mom right now, which, which is incredibly valuable for us. Uh, so I remember th- jumping at that and doing the movie, but, but, a, but a week later I got to call about WWE I remember really? sitting, sitting reflecting one day going like, that's, it's, it's so important to, to probably not have that tunnel vision because sometimes subconsciously you could be deflecting opportunities that come your way and you'll never even know you are because it could be your body language. It could be the way you treat someone. It could be a call you don't take. And you could be, you could be turning things away without even realizing it. And only when you sometimes you maybe open that up, the potential of, of exploring other avenues and jumping into other things that you never in your wildest dreams thought might come your way, but that's when they might just come your way. And WWE has been the greatest adventure that I never, ever thought would happen. And so the movie was fun too. Don't get me wrong, but like this has been the greatest ride um, so far. And I'm just, I'm just incredibly grateful. And it's, it's, it's a lesson for me to always keep my mind open and, and, and eyes open and just chat with absolutely everybody because you never know who you're going to meet who might take a liking to you to say, we want this fella involved. Brilliant. And it's a, that's, a, that's a great way to end it. But it's also, I mean, you're part of a great Irish contingent in, in WWE at the moment yeah. with the success of Finn Balor, Becky Lynch, Seamus, not to mention a few Scottish uh, performers and uh, English as well. So it's it's just deadly. like Because it, it, yeah. in the 90s, growing up watching the product, you there was always just American. Um, or they might have the token bad guy whoever America was facing in a war <laughs> like Sergeant Slaughter or <laughs> the Orange Cheek or something like that but now it's just it's yeah it's it's deadly it's deadly watching say, every week I have to say Kev ah cheers Graham appreciate it and I'll, I have to say like you know it's it's it, this is probably by accident rather than design or maybe it's just our our humor level or our understanding of each other being abroad but in terms of just wrestlers like I'm friends with all the broadcasters but in terms of just the superstars themselves my best friends are the Irish and the Scottish, you know, it's wild how, that, how it's wild, how that works. Like Seamus has become a friend. Becky's become a friend. Finn's absolutely a friend. Like they're bang on. The three of them are just tremendous, tremendous advocates for Ireland. And we should all be so proud of them because they're working their arses across the other side absolutely. of the water. And believe me when I say this, all three of them love Ireland. And there's nothing worse. We've all talked about this separately. There's nothing worse than meeting an Irish person abroad that can't stand Ireland. There's nothing yeah. worse. Like, I just want to turn away and walk away instantly um, yeah. because I, I, I struggle to comprehend that. And maybe that's an ignorance on my end that I turn and walk away. But I just I just love my country so much that uh, I see that in, in, in Becky, Seamus and Finn as well. So it's just it's a joy to work with them. Drew McIntyre, Dewdrop. Nikki ASH, they're just brilliant human beings. So uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's like oh, we were saying as well when we were texting a couple of weeks ago. You, you and your son, you were listening to the Dubliners. So y- yeah, your son will always have that um, Irishness being brought up with the Dubliners. Yeah, we're gonna be in. We're gonna be down in Dingle in September. Oh, no. and, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get down there. And my son is three, and I'm teaching him. Uh, Dublin and the rare all times so we've got the, <laughs> we've got the ring a ring a rosy down and that whole course so Brilliant. if we can get him on a microphone in Kerry wearing a Dubs jersey singing that that's all the Irish 
Out of the Irish contingent there, uh, Kev, Seamus is the only one that has not appeared on What's a Story podcast. So if you want to put in a good word, yeah. we're, all, we're, we're always ready for him. I'm sure he'd do it. He's, Although he's, he's a Bohemians fan, so and I'm a Shamrock Rovers fan. So he's we a cameraman. What do you expect? I you know. know. Is your dad Bohemians? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's both. He's, he's, he grew up, my dad grew up like, like a stone's throw from, from Dave. So yeah, yeah he, uh, he grew up right there in, in right between the 17 shops where right. Paddy Power is, um, right there in, in Fibsborough, Cabra. So yeah, they, they, they've, they've met before Seamus and my dad and they've had great chats about Cabra. Deadly. Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Kevin, uh, it's been an absolute joy, man. And thank you so much for sharing some of your story and your time with us. Um, that brings us right up to kick off. So you'd be delighted to sit back, turn on the telly yeah, now, and watch a bit of Champions League. Um, yeah, but, I, I look forward to it. I love the football, and we were all gifted yesterday, weren't we? With two hours oh, stop, of idle joy with that seven-hour thriller. So yeah. I, I just I, I love this game, man, and, and Champions League this year for whatever reason. Maybe it's because I think I've had a little bit more time to watch it. You know, you get home on Tuesdays. You have Tuesdays off. Put the feet up if you can and watch it, and, and it's just been deadly. From start to finish, I'm a massive La Liga fan, so I love to see La Liga teams doing well as well. Um, and you just never write off Real Madrid. Never. never. Ever. You think? Do you think a La Liga team can win the Champions League? Well, Real Madrid could. Villarreal, wonderful story. Villarreal, a town of fifty thousand people. Think about that for a second. Fifty thousand people, and and people will say, well, yeah, well, they can buy from from anywhere, sure, but they bring through players like. Moreno, uh, further mm. forward, a player like Pau Torres is from their academy. Uh, so they produce talented young players as well. So uh, I think Villarreal, I'm saying this right around kickoff now so I could regret. I, I hope they give Liverpool a real go. I think Liverpool will overpower them big time over the course of the two legs and, and throw a coin up in the air and choose between Man City and Real Madrid. It's too difficult. It's but far too difficult. With this Real Madrid team and with Carlo Ancelotti and the way he manages the side, like I'm looking at this team 2-0 down yesterday after 10 minutes. And I think the majority of people would have said they're screwed. Like yeah. Real Madrid are in serious. And they looked in trouble. But then you look at a shot of Carlo Ancelotti on the bench and he was just a man that looked like he could sit down and have a cigar. He just looked so composed. And sometimes that percolates through to the players. And, you, you, you know, you could see that. Like they didn't panic. They never mm. panic. When you've got Luka Modric little lucky Luka Modric, who's just who's just a little wizard, and, and Benzema, in, at the ages that they're at, they're ageless. And, and what they produced was remarkable, and Vinicius Jr. is a special talent. He's, he's a bit raw, like he's reckless, um, but he's, he's, he's someone who has forged an incredible pairing with Benzema after they had a massive falling out, let's not forget, where Benzema yeah. was caught saying, don't pass him the ball, don't give him the ball, and yet now they're producing one of the best tandems in world football, so... Looking forward to the football, lads. Not going to lie. Just wish I was yeah. back with my dad in the local pub, the watermill, <laughs> Haiti, having a point to watch them. Love it, Deadly. man. Love it. Well, look, continued success to you, man. And uh, congrats on the baby. Congrats on the home and everything else. And, yeah, uh, please have me on again soon. I was going to say, oh, yeah, ho- hopefully yeah. we get to do this again soon, man. But until then, thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much, Kevin. Continued success. Uh, Danny and Graham, your gems, lads. Keep up the great work yourself. Thanks Cheers, so much, man. Kevin. What an order, gentlemen. He's a diamond. I was going to call him the diamond of Dublin there, but I thought it would have been too cringy and too flamboyish. He is. Yeah, yeah, just do it. Just just roll with it, man. Do you know what I mean? Just roll with it. I think it's a weird, that's one of them that I feel like, you know, if we, you rewind a couple of years before COVID when we were doing these in the wonderful establishment that is Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel in Cloyne. Give them a look, lads, if you haven't. All all hospitality needs our support. Um, But I kind of feel as though if if we if we're doing this interview in person, 
Ala a couple of years ago. That's one where we would have sat around afterwards for hours just chatting. Yeah, shit. Yeah. And I well, really love them ones. We did before the interview and we did after well, the interview. Yeah, we yeah, Imagine we in person, yeah. we'd be still there, probably. You know, because he's an he's an absolute gent. And like I mean, obviously we, we went through a little bit of a story there in terms of uh, the interview or the chat we had with him, but like yeah, just incredible, like brilliant. just brilliant brand, and such a nice bloke to talk to and uh, a gent for his time. So yeah, enjoyed that man. I absolutely enjoyed that. You're distracted, Graham. What are you looking at? Sorry, I was just clearing my phone. Um, what, you, what was on your phone that you need to clear? About 65 messages in one WhatsApp group. I hate when that happens. That is, that, that's it. WhatsApp groups are a plague. They're brilliant because they keep you in touch with people, but they're a plague. They're an absolute... They're a plague if, you, if, you're, if you're doing something. Like, we've been doing this for the last uh, hour and a half. Um, yeah. And and I got distracted there, so my apologies. But it is a plague when when you miss out. Be when honest. you when you when you are not by your phone for a time like an hour and a half, and there's sixty plus messages in one WhatsApp group, do you go through them all? Or no, no never, never. I'll tell yeah, people yeah. that as well, though. I mean, like there depends WhatsApp, on what WhatsApp group I'm in. Ah, uh, you know what? That I, the less people in the group, the more inclined I am to scroll back. Do you know what right. I mean? If, yeah. Because I, I always feel like there's a group that I mean would say like maybe two people or whatever. Like, say there's a group, myself, you and Gary have a group say, right? If, yeah. there's a, if, if I see there's a load of messages in that, I'll have a quick scan of it. Because, I'll, I'll read it because it's yeah, because, be because because me, you, Gary and Paul as well. I'll If there's yeah. 30 messages, I'll be like, oh, this is going to be gold. Yeah, but the, do you know the WhatsApp groups you're in and it's kind of like, you know, the lads from school plus a few and it's, yeah, you know, there's there's 15, 16 of you in it. And you I mean, one day it could be just a football fest, but then the next day somebody's gone down a rabbit hole about why Gaddafi kept chimps that were trained to stab people and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, no, today's not the day, man. That's enough internet for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> that that group's getting muted for a few days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's just yeah. You no, definitely I, have a few groups muted. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm a devil for mutant groups. Just absolutely. <laughs> like, I'm unashamed. And I'll tell people as well. They'll be like, how come you responded for a while? I was like, I mute that. I just can't be there. I can't. If I want to stay on and watch a film, I, I have to. Because if I don't, I'll be I'll be on the phone. I'll miss half the film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have to just fuck off WhatsApp. Get away from me. And that's it now. I'm sure Twitter's ruined now. I won't be. Twitter's gone. That's it now. Fucking stupid amount that vulgar amount of money to pay for something that there's absolutely no purpose of like it's sick isn't it that someone has that amount of money just to pay for an app like what what like what is like i just i tried in my head to to figure out was like what is, and the only it's it's fucking plutocracy isn't it like it's he's 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 making this big play on free speech to make himself sound like the savior but in actual fact all he's going to try and do is control an agenda and control a narrative like do you know what I mean here's someone yeah. coming in the background look here's cubes sorry, sorry. you're yeah. interrupting a very professional recording here oh, sorry. what if I had a guest Tom going to the oh, chapel and we're <laughs> gonna get oh she can't hear me no she can't I have headphones on Graham was serenading you did... that's what I have to work with that's what I have to work with anyway look Graham I think it's about time you wrap this podcast up so I can put her in the attic for a few days yeah, if you want, anyone wants to listen to our podcast, you can go to WTSPod.com or you can go to any podcast provider and search WTSPod. Spotify, Podcast Republic, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere, everywhere you can get a podcast. 
on Twitter and Instagram, he's at Dan John Murray. I'm at Merigamania on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, until that, until next week. All right, Danny has his finger up. Go on. Graham. Yeah. You haven't congratulated me on multi award winning TV show. Ah, congratulations on your uh, Gogglebox Ireland Awards. You still have most to have you. Until next week. Clear eyes. Clear eyes. Cat loose. Go on the super hoops. Yeah.